Welcome to Apaga University. I'm Inga. And I'm Julie. We are two entrepreneurs who have built an in-home care business from the ground up, guided every step of the way by God's care and fueled by agape love. 16 years later and over 100 podcast episodes already under our belts, we invite you to continue on this journey with us as we share stories that resonate, insights that inspire, and practical guidance that empowers you to face any obstacle along this path. Whether you're a professional caregiver, a family member, or are simply curious about what your steps will be when you need them, you have come to the right place. Oh, hey, and while you're here, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And after that, make sure you send this to a friend. Yes, do it. All right, we'll quit fooling around and get to it. Let's go. Class is in session. Hello, sunshines, and hello, Julie. Morning. Good morning. Good morning, Inga. What's new? Oh, my gosh. Um, just, you know, another day in paradise. I can tell. You really feel that way. <laughs> I think you got your butt kicked all the way down the stairs oh, to the table. Then. The joy. Get, the joy of being the scheduler the and, yes, all of the things. Yeah. So, hey, if anybody out there knows of some caregivers that want to come and work at Apaga Home Care... Man, there is so much work out there. Bring them on. There is so much work. Yes, there's such a need out there. For sure. Oh, my gosh. They got to be the best of the best, though. Cause oh, we'll only accept the best of the best. Yeah. Anyway, send them our way. You bet. So, Jules, yeah. um, we have a topic today, <laughs> and we kind of figured yes, it out upstairs. Yes, we do. Hoarding. Hoarding. I'm going to be talking about hoarding. Mm -hmm. So, the question is, do you think you have any hoarding tendencies? Well, you know... <laughs> I actually am very concerned about myself, um, and that's why we're doing this, because I'm going to be self-analyzing myself as I talk about this uh, mental disorder. Yes. And it is. It is. And I think we did discover upstairs that perhaps, <laughs> so actually, you know, we were talking about boxes. You have a thing about hanging onto boxes. Uh -huh. So behind you on the shelf over there, mm -hmm. there's a stack of boxes. Have you seen them? Yes, I have. I like, I'm like... Do I throw them away? Do I offer them to Julie? I know Julie likes boxes. Uh, this is a big thing. I know. So, so there they sit. Well, the thing is, I've, I've kind of gone from the box to the tote. Yes. Because uh, just sturdier and, and this and that. and I like the totes because <sighs> basically boxes in the basement, I'm always worried that there's going to be a spider in them. Yeah. But if it's in a tote and it's like sealed up, yeah. less likelihood, right? right? Right. Yeah. So I've, I've now shifted. <laughs> so instead of hoarding boxes, so you're hoarding totes. holder of things, <laughs> any of it, even stupid plastics. Have you ever heard that when somebody keeps plastic sacks from the grocery Yeah. and you put a sack, all of the sacks inside a sack? Yes. Oh, Is I that actually... You? Well, no, because the other day I cleaned one of my cupboards and I took all of those said sacks and threw them away. Good I job. Did it. I did it. I did keep a few, but it was hard. I, I have a rule at my house. Like I have a drawer that those grocery sacks go in mm -hmm. and I keep as much as keeps the hold. drawer full mm. and then throw the rest away. Yeah, no. At one point I opened the cupboard because it's up higher and had several fall out. And I was like, all right, that was my cue. That was your cue to do something about it. But I feel I'm on top of that now. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Is that the only issue? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no. No. Socks. I might find the match. <sighs> might not. I'm so wreck. do you just hang on? So if you know you only have one sock of a pair, do you keep it? For a while until I feel like I can let go. 
Okay. Well, we're going to we're going to go to the verse and then <laughs> tell some good news stories and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it cuz nitty-gritty. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> All right. So our verse today is um 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 7 and it says for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Yeah. Yeah, we work so hard our whole lives to accumulate and to get things. Yeah. And then as you get older, you then try to start giving those things away mm-hmm. and um, realizing what's more important. And I, I think, you know, people that live a minimalistic life are on to something. And I have tried and tried and tried <laughs> to do that, but it is hard to part with some things. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. But truly, come in with nothing, we're leaving with nothing. Yeah. So... We've made a family decision, um, and some people probably think we're crazy, but we spend our money not on things, but more on experiences yeah. or on traveling to sheep yeah. shows or, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, but I, I do think that there are times when you just feel like you have to, like, there's a satisfaction that comes with buying something mm-hmm. to have a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it can get out of hand in a hurry. Yeah. 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 So that is why we, uh, that was the the verse of the day, yep. but you're not, you don't get to take it with you when you go. Yeah. So live, live your life and enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did you bring for your good news story? Well, today I'm going to talk about a 90 year old that earns a judo belt level. Um, and actually there's only six people in the nation that have this high of a level of oh, judo wow. and he is 90 years old. Uh, Michael Lee is his name and he does the foot sweep and all of the (laughs) thingies that you do in judo. I have no idea, but anyway, this is pretty cool. Um, he is still limber enough to get on the mat every once in a while that has, um, awarded him his ninth degree or Dan in judo. Only six individuals hold the ninth Dan and he's the oldest in the country to reach that second highest rank in the sport. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder if he's in the Guinness book. Uh, He might be. You would think you would be. When I heard the news, I just couldn't quite take it in. (laughs) It's so cute how these people are so humble Mm -hmm. when they do these amazing things. So anyway, um, I've had a very interesting life. I've been in about 160 countries. It's just been a wonderful journey. I've um, tempted to go on the mat, but until my current disabilities go away, I didn't think I'd be able to. Um, So he has had to step back a little bit, but... Up to that point, he did finally get to that very cool level. Wow. Yeah. What a thing. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, I anyone who knows me knows I'm a sucker for a farm kid, right? Yes, so you are. when I'm scanning through looking at stories and things that hit me, this one, of course, hits me. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about Joe Trofer Cook. And essentially, he's an 11 year old boy who fell in love with agriculture during the pandemic oh. um, and really dreamed of becoming a farmer. And today he actually rents his own plot of land where he cares for chicken and chickens and he also breeds sheep. Um, so his his passion for farming actually started when he planted some seeds in a new like raised bed garden bed that his grandfather had built him for his seventh birthday. And it says a year after um, COVID hit, he began selling um, homegrown produce on a trolley outside of his house and Mm. saved every penny, Mm. which he then reinvested into three chickens. So then he adds eggs to this produce market and that helped him earn enough money to buy his first four sheep. And I think it's worth noting that they are adorably named rhubarb, strawberry, pumpkin, and radish. Oh, cute. Um, His mother, Claire, said that tending to his animals is his own form of therapy. He was diagnosed with autism during the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. So basically with the profits that he's made from selling the vegetables and the sheep, he was able to rent a plot of land from a farmer in his English village of Billinghay, Lincolnshire. And over two years later, he now actually has 37 sheep, 12 chickens, two cows, oh, and a, wow. border, a border collie named Spud. Oh, cute. Um, he said, I was born to be a farmer. That's what I say. Oh. And then his mom says, he's the kindest, loveliest, quietest kid you'll ever meet. And so, so devoted. Um, most children are born into this world of farming, but this is something that, that Joe has built for himself. Oh, wow. He was diagnosed with autism in the lockdown, and it's been the best form of therapy. Mm. He never asked to have friends over after school. All he wants to do is go straight to his animals. Oh. So now Farmer Joe, that's what he's known as, he is the youngest exhibitor of livestock at the Lincolnshire Show in its 125 years that it's been running. Um, and he's also appeared on BBC television. Oh, cute. So it says every day the young entrepreneur wakes up at four in the morning to feed his animals. And recently he has also taken up spinning wool after someone donated a wheel to him so that he could spin it and sell the wool. Um, his mom just says, I'm so proud of everything that he's accomplished. And his first four sheep were females and they were used that cost around like a hundred American dollars. He next bought a male sheep called Basil and the following spring he welcomed his first lambs. Mm. Um, he actually delivered tri triplets before he went to school that day. Oh, <laughs> yep. And then over the next year, he sold the lambs to afford a, a little secondhand sheep trailer. And then he um, bought two new used parsley and parsnip. And Joe went to a farmer's market, bid on a ewe called Butterbean. She didn't have any lambs, so Joe used his trailer to take her to an exhibit at country shows where he got to go through to the championships. It's just show it just shows how re resourceful he is. So he bought her to be able to show her because she wasn't didn't have babies yet. Um, and the mom says, I think he works harder than most full-grown men. So in November of 2021, Joe was surprised with a gift of two calves named Rosie and Flower that were donated by the TV show Christmas on the Farm. <laughs> Um, he keeps the sheep in a field that his grandparents own nearby while the other animals are on land that he rents from a farmer. And he recently like adopted or rehomed a border collie to him named Spud. Um, and apparently Spud has done wonders for Joe's anxiety. Um, mm. Nighttime is hard for him due to his anxiety, but Spud helps to comfort him when he struggles to sleep. Mm. Joe now sells wool, eggs, and produce that he grows at local markets. And he saved up for a camera with that money um, to be able to watch the sheep during lambing season. Speaking from experience, that is the bomb diggity because you don't want to have to get up and walk out to the barn every two hours or less, <laughs> depending on what's happening. Right. Um, he also bought a special tunnel um, to house them in called a poly tunnel. So it's shelter. Um, and, the, and the mom says, me and his dad aren't farmers. So this is all something that he's done by himself. Um, but his brothers, who are six and five, they're not far behind. They really look up to him. They're following his footsteps. And all three of them are in a show ring this year at a county fair. Cute. We're so proud of him and know that he'll one day own his own farm. And that is the story of Joe Trofer. Farmer Joe. Farmer Joe. Cute. What a kid. That's pretty, that's good. That's huge. I, I, and I understand how that happens because <laughs> Bailey Lake started with two ewes that we didn't get to breed. They had, she had to do chores all winter long to make sure she was still into the project <laughs> too. And then now it's like, how many sheep do you have? Oh gosh, I don't know. 60, 80. I, heck if I know. A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It'll overtake you. <laughs> it will. All right. So hoarding. hoarding. We're going to be talking about hoarding today. Yes, yes. And why don't you just start us out with what's hoarding? Right on. We all like to keep precious mementos. They remind us of a treasured moment. But when does the desire to keep stuff tip over into a hoarding disorder? 
Hoarding is one of those problems that many people don't give the amount of attention it deserves. That's because it seems at first that it's something of an amusing character quirk or perhaps a slight nuisance. We all know someone who hoards, and for the most part, we tease them about it in a fun and lighthearted manner. In fact, though, hoarding can be an extremely serious problem if it is allowed to spiral out of control and in some cases might even be serious enough to ruin your life. <clears throat> this is a form of OCD, a serious mental health issue that will in most cases develop and worsen with time. Eventually, you can end up living in a space so untidy that it is dangerously unhygienic or that you can struggle to make your way to the bathroom even. Um, for uh, those that have just a little bit of it, it's just enough to keep you disorganized, lead to trouble where you're losing things or you can't pay your bills because you can't find the bill right. and preventing you from enjoying the space that you live in. Mm -hmm. So for the actual diagnosis of hoarding, the Mayo Clinic says that it's defined as a hoarding disorder, disorder is a persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions because of a perceived need to save them. Mm -hmm. A person with hoarding disorder experiences distress at the thought of getting rid of the items. Excessive accumulation of items, regardless of actual value, occurs. So a person who suffers from a hoarding disorder will often fill their home to the brim with clutter and sometimes trash, limiting access to key spaces needing for sleeping, cooking, and personal hygiene. In extreme hoarding cases, the hoarder's home will become so overtaken by clutter that the only way to move into their home is by goat trails, small pathways amid the clutter. <laughs> yeah. We've had clients like that. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I literally... Um, one time we had uh, the agency on aging was trying to help a gentleman and they literally had to just take scoop shovels in mm -hmm. and get rid of everything. They were so proud of themselves because they made it so livable. Mm -hmm. They, they got him a new couch. They got him this and that. And within a couple of weeks he had started just accumulating and it was just trash. Yes. So he had that extreme level and there's a show on TV mm -hmm. more than one of hoarding. Yes. And it's, I haven't, watched a ton of them because it's very disturbing that you then see people actually they can't even see their bed anymore so they just lay on top of the trash that's covering the bed and how sad I mean obviously yeah. people don't don't choose that necessarily no. it is some type of right. a mental health right. situation so right. let's talk about um some some signs that a person might have gone from simply collecting uh, to a hoarding situation. Right. So a person suffering from hoarding disorder, they might um, collect an excessive amount of items. The items are typically of little monetary value, um, stored in a chaotic manner. Mm -hmm. They have a poor quality of life because of the clutter mm -hmm. around them. Their lifestyle has impacts on family and friends. Right. Um, I've heard situations where people will... They won't even want to leave their home and they certainly don't want people coming to their home because it's like they know that there's a problem, but they just are frozen. physically unable to yep. do anything about they're frozen. it. Frozen. Yeah. They're anxious when people try to remove their possessions. I know even not in like extreme hoarding situations, but a lot of times we do end up in situations with people where maybe it's a male thing or, you know, the male that comes to them. Yep. They can't. They know it's junk mail, but they just can't get rid of it, you know, yep. and the caregiver will try to help sort through things. Yeah. And it's like they just physically cannot let go of it. Yeah. Um, coming, becoming extremely attached to their items again and having difficulty making decisions. Like you said, you just become frozen and then um, even struggling to manage just normal tasks, things like cooking or cleaning. And again, um, 
understand that there is a there is a significant difference between hoard like a hoarding disorder and just collecting. Mm-hmm. So hoarding disorder is not the same as collecting. Those who collect things will typically concentrate on one particular item mm-hmm. or like yeah, the item will also have some value to the collector. A collection could ex- could consist of anything from like stamps, magazines, plates, those types of things. Yeah. Collectors generally organize their possessions. They want to be able to access their collections. For instance, a stamp collector will catalog their stamps, stash the books away neatly. A hoarder will have stamps littering the house, filling up drawers on tables, on the floors. Again, more of that chaotic pattern. Mm. Um, they will have no idea what they have or where to find things. Hoarding disorder is difficult to treat, and this is because the person hoarding will often not realize or want to admit that they have a problem. So, ha ha, <laughs> he he, hoo hoo, <laughs> I'm not a hoarder. Because if you look at my desk and you ask me for something, I'm able to go and find it. Yes. But don't touch my desk. You're a collector. Well, of, of paper? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> That's my problem. I like to touch things. Yes. Well, and even like when you're talking about the boxes and then the thing that we have is the drink carrier, yes, right? Yes. So every day you get a drink from somewhere. So we just have stacks of the drink carriers. You almost feel like you want to give them back, but obviously they can't take them back. Yes. But I, I think feel like you, it's such a waste. Yes. That's what, that's what your situation is, yes. is you don't want anything to go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I hate chickens, but I loved when I had chickens and, um, and then I had pigs for a mm-hmm. while and then the dogs and the kitties because I'd never felt like I was wasting anything right because if there was crust on the bread or so the chickens or the piggies would get that you know but it's it's a horrendous I think about it every time it's like oh gosh I don't have any chickens to give this to they would really love it if they did when so there is a a touch of psychosis going on I freely admit this (laughs) no when my grandma when I was younger grandma had chickens and she always had the big you know the bowl of the Mm -hmm. scraps or whatever Mm -hmm. that got put in there now you run them through the garbage disposal right yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah. Huh. So um, basically the reasons for a person suffering from hoarding disorder are not clear, um, but it is likely to affect certain types of people. Those that live alone, those who are not married, have previously lived in a cluttered environment, had a deprived childhood where they didn't have material items, had a poor relationship with their parents, or already suffer from anxiety. So there was a guy that we both know from way back when, um, and his wife talked about how when he went shopping, mm-hmm. he came from a pretty poor childhood. And now that he could afford things, he would buy like five of everything mm-hmm. because he just still had that anxiety of not having. Right. Well, I do that. And as I get older and I find the things, mostly like in the house, laundry detergents Mm -hmm. or things that I like, that's the brand that I like. And I've reached a point where I don't have to just buy the cheapest one I can get. Yeah. Well, then I feel like I have to have, I mean, I have to have the one that I'm using and then I have to have at least two or three on hand because Uh what if they stop making this product or what, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's it's not rational. And I know that too. It would be a catastrophe for sure. Yeah. The most rich I ever feel is when I open up my laundry cupboard and I see like, because I get the out pro wash stuff. I see like 10 of them on the, the shelf. I'm like, I am living right, man. <laughs> I've really made something of myself. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, hoarding is a complex dis- disorder that interferes with the lives of more than 6 million Americans. And the actual cause of hoarding disorder is not, not known. But again, we're going to go into those things that we talked about a little deeper 
you know, clues. Mm -hmm. So early childhood, although the average age of a hoarder is in their fifties, studies show that it can begin in early childhood. Many children start collections of some kind when they are young. It could be dolls, action figures, marbles, cards, even simple things like shells from a beach. Mm -hmm. However, we all know that one child who becomes overly, we know that one child that becomes overly attached to a particular object, they will only be appeased by a particular toy or teddy bear. Um, Some children will only suck from a certain pacifier, um, whereas others can only sleep with their fav- favorite blanket, right? Mm-hmm. They get emotionally attached to an object and become almost inconsolable if that object cannot be found. Mm-hmm. It's known that hoarders also place an emotional value on their objects. So hoarders will keep ordinary worthless things like a scrap of paper. This might be because it has a person's handwriting on it. Um, they'll place enormous value on things like old carrier bags because they use them when they went to visit a friend or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's thought children who displayed exaggerated emotional upset when a particular object was removed may have a tendency to hoarding in later life. Oh my goodness. Isn't that, that's interesting. Huh? Yeah. Huh. Trauma. Talk to us about trauma. Oh, many hoarders experienced a traumatic event in their lives. It is possible that this is responsible for triggering hoarding as a defense mechanism. Hoarding disorder both relieves anxiety and causes it. In studies conducted on older people that hoarded, the simple fact of acquiring stuff relieved their anxieties. There's a lot of people that actually go shopping <laughs> yep. because it gives them whatever they feel that they're needing at the time. Yes. So what do they call it? Shopping... Uh, retail therapy. They don't really, right. They really don't need a thing, but it feels so good to come home with something. Yep. And well, then that causes other problems because it's quite possible you didn't have the money to spend. So then it just couples on top of each other, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, stressful life events such as losing a partner, parent or child, or going through a divorce could all be triggers for a hoarding disorder. Uh, couple this with events such as an eviction from a home or the loss of possessions from a fire or burglary and the stage is set for hoarding. All of these can start a seed in the mind of someone already predisposed to hoarding. Collecting items eases the pain of recent trauma. It provides a sense of security. Your items are never going to leave you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Anxiety. Wow. So for people with social anxiety and low self-esteem, hoarding offers a leg up the confidence ladder. Older hoarders report that stockpiling possessions gave them a sense of pride and accomplishment. Equally important was that they felt more connected and socially engaged with others. By going out and acquiring objects, these served as social props for the hoarders to have the confidence to participate in daily life. It raised their self-esteem and they saw themselves in a more positive light. People were interested in what they had collected. Oh, yeah. Um, The hoarders felt that they had control and they were being productive. It constituted a way of life for them. Their quality of life was improved and they felt reassured. Hoarders typically live on their own and are withdrawn socially. Hoarding is incredibly comforting to someone who feels isolated from society. So how to help someone suffering from the hoarding disorder? Hardest part about hoarding is that the hoarder doesn't want your help. Right. They might not even think that they need your help. Right. Um, Hoarders feel anxious if told to get rid of their possessions. Therefore, it is important not to spring anything on at them at short notice. So we work with a lot of, um, you know, the SDMI program, which is a lot of mental health. And we've, we, you know, we have patients who part of their care plan or their goals for the year is basically to go through and clean out a room or clean mm-hmm. because there is so much of 
that tendency to just hang on to everything. And it is an, it's a huge project for the life coaches that go and help them. Right. Um, because you, your work, it's not just the physical aspect of picking up the garbage and taking it out. It's everything emotional that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so hard and the, Mm -hmm. the delay, you know, people will delay and delay. Oh, I don't think I can do this. People will cancel appointments if they know that we're coming because it's today we're going to work on, you know, cleaning off the table. Yep. Um, Yep. Oh, and don't touch my stuff. Yes. That's the other thing with some of our older people Mm -hmm. is they have their their piles and the kids are like, we just can't get them to get rid of that pile of magazines Mm -hmm. or that uh, the newspapers are up to here. Right. And there are times like we were talking where it's a safety issue that if they walk with a walker or, or need any assistance, They've got just those goat trails yeah. through the house and you can hardly get there. And if you're going to sit down, you're going to be sitting on things mm-hmm. to sit in the chair. Yeah. Or they just move it over to another pile and then you have a chair. But um, that's, it's not uncommon. Right. It really it's isn't. It's really so dangerous when you think about like a fire situation oh. or, I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah, tough. Yep. Anyway. Um, so don't spring anything on, on a hoarder situation on short notice. If you think someone, you know, has a hoarding disorder, there are things that you can do, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to them gently about the situation, show them the possibilities of a life without clutter, ask them if they would like the help of a psychiatrist or other mental health professional, go with them to therapy. If they ask to you to support them through their recovery, um, don't expect overnight success. It has probably taken years for the clutter to build up and it's not going anywhere overnight. Mm -hmm. See if there are any short-term medications that would help this combined with counseling sometimes has proven results and hoarding disorder can be life limiting, but it doesn't have to be with the right help and mental attitude. You can beat hoarding and have a productive and happy future. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that, um, hoarding is necessarily my situation, but where my stuff started when we started to accumulate is when I married Mike and I got three bonus kids Mm -hmm. and everybody was like, Oh my gosh, Julie needs all of these clothes. She needs all of these toys. Oh, here's these books. Yep. Um, and they, they thought that the kids would enjoy them or fit them. And you know, once they're cleaning their stuff out, but they're giving it to me. Right. And then another thing that I've considered is, and used as my crutch is I'm so busy. (laughs) I never get to things. So I'm like, okay, Julie, how about you hit one box at a time? Right. Or you do this or you do that. And you think that that's like, sounds very logical. I can do that. Right. But then to actually get yourself to do it sometimes. The other part of it is, is I do live in a smaller farmhouse. Mm -hmm. And so there's not room and it's probably a good thing because you think if I just had one more room, all you're going to do is fill that up. So there's no excuse. Yeah. You just need to get her done. I know that Kevin from his mechanic days and now on the farm, we tease him about being a hoarder a little bit too, you know, but basically his thing is, I'm going to need that at some point later on. So most things that happen on the farm, you know, you can reuse that T-post or even like our grain sacks. We save those, the big 50 pound sacks, because then when we have people come and do chores, we put little sacks inside of the big sacks (laughs) and set them next to the pen that they need to get fed to. Uh So there is a, like a logic to all of it, you Uh know? Um, But one thing that we did and, you know, not everybody maybe necessarily would want to or whatever, but we actually got, um, our garbage service to bring us a bigger container uh-huh. because that's the thing too. Yeah. Like when you start to clean it out and then, you know, where do you, where do you take the trash? You yeah. have to be able to put it somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. so anyway, just things to consider, but yeah. 
<laughs> so basically, let's look at, um, well, eight different things that we can talk about that can help to control hoarding. So have a big clear out. Um, might seem fairly obvious, but one of the best ways to get hoarding under control is to start with a big, serious clear out. That means that you're going to go through all of your possessions, get rid of as much as you can. It might be difficult at first, but it will also help you to jumpstart your decluttering process so that you have a good starting point. At the same time, clearing everything out um, in one go can help you to come to terms with this new approach to your possessions. It's a little like tearing a plaster off and all in one, just get it over and done with, right? Oh, yeah. But I think about, so every time... We or every time I've moved as an adult, you know, you pack everything up and then you get it in storage and then little by little you bring it to your next place and start opening up the boxes. And how many times do you do that? And you open the box and you're like, why on God's green earth did I keep this? And pack it and and put Yes. And honestly, (laughs) we have a storage unit that we've kept since Kevin and I have been married. I couldn't tell you what's in that storage unit. Mm -hmm. And clearly it's nothing that I've needed to use. I mean, there are some like bird hunting things that Kevin puts in there and will bring out. Sure. But other than that, 90% of what's in there, I couldn't tell you what it is. And I've never needed it since we put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. I won't get a storage unit because of that very thing. Yeah. Except I do have some stuff out in our garage here at the office that needs to be moved. I know. I know. And I just haven't gotten around to it. And I am quite sure that if I just threw it all away, you'd I never even know what was in there. Darn thing. But what if I do? I better go through those boxes because there might be that thing that I need. Yeah. We need to bring the dump trailer here. Just have the dump trailer so you can just look at it. This is a keep. This is a throw. This is a, I know. But who, who has the time? Isn't that what you said? Yes, That's your reason? Yes. I'm so darn busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, go with the, have you used it recently? Yeah, this is a simple rule of thumb when deciding what to keep and what to throw out. Have you used it recently or more precisely, when did you last use it? Um, If you used your product in the last few months, that's fair enough. But if you have a box of items that you haven't looked at for years, then chances are that you can get rid of that item and you won't miss it. Of course, remove anything that... um, Remove anything that's sentimental or has monetary value first, Mm -hmm. uh, but the rest, toss it. Um, This can be very difficult for many people who imagine that at some point they will find themselves needing it. But the point is, is that when that happens, you can always borrow or purchase a similar one anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this next one, the one in, one out rule, Mm -hmm. and I should probably try it. Mm -hmm. Another rule, basically you make it that one in, one out. That means that each time you buy something new, you have to get rid of something old. Yeah. It's a good system because it means that you'll never increase the amount of clutter you own um, beyond what you currently have. Yeah. So I've heard of people doing that, like with clothing Mm -hmm. and different stuff. I have a friend, Maria, that she's like, okay, if I buy this, then what shirt am I going to get rid of? Yeah. And so that's what I work hard on. There's also a show, uh, this one gal, she's there and she's like, if you hold it and it brings you joy, keep it. Right. Otherwise toss it. Yep. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I also have a friend that um, one of her side gigs that she does to make her living is Pampered Chef. Mm-hmm. And she's always on me to have another party, another party. And right. it's so easy to have parties nowadays because right. you can do everything online. Right. And so it's not like everybody, the old Tupperware parties <laughs> where people would have to come and, you know, have cookies and tea and yeah. see the products. Oh my gosh, but I just simply had to tell her, no, I have enough things in my kitchen. I'm literally trying to get rid of all of it. 
And um, when I did do a couple of my, um, the cupboards and the drawers, I was like, did I need 15 spatulas? <laughs> so one in, one out. Yep. How many do you really, really need? Yeah. True, true, true. Just story. say no is a huge start. So look at me. Look at me. Just say no, I'm man. simply on top of this disorder I have. <laughs> yes. Create <laughs> systems. So having systems in place um, to help you keep things organized and tidy is another important tip if you want to get your home to become clutter-free. Mm-hmm. Problem is that most of us don't have a lot of spare time or energy for cleaning and organizing, and um, most homes have bottlenecks. These are the points at which clutter gets stuck and piles up because you can't do anything about it quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. An example might be you're washing up. You might see stacks of dirty plates build up. Uh, maybe it's your paperwork that that you like collect right whatever the case is um there will be sticking points but a job of a good system is to remove those sticking points so that everything moves from one neat stage to the next this is my gripe with my family (laughs) is the mail yeah right so basically you know the mail comes in everybody looks through it and then nobody other than me takes the stuff that we know is all garbage Mm -hmm. and just throws it away yep Yep. I have a friend. It was her rule. She would get the mail. She said, touch it once. Oh, that's a great rule. Yeah. She's like, okay, this is garbage. She just stands over the garbage. Oh, I love that. And just, but see in my house, if I pick up the garbage or if Mike picks up or the garbage, the mail, then we just, the, the other person wants to see it. Mm-hmm. So it's there. And, um, then it's, it's not touched just once, two yeah. or three times, but I've tried very hard to at least every couple of days get rid of the crap because 90% of what I get is just flyers and things mm-hmm. that are, you know, solicitations, not the real stuff. And you wonder, there's so much waste. This is another one of those things that I just so, hate it. I, I have to be honest and I learned this somewhere and I don't remember where, but there was a time when companies like the phone bill and different things they would send you your bill, but mm-hmm. there would be also a bunch of other like yeah. stuff in with it. Yeah. So you know what I started doing? Sending it back. Oh, so yeah. when I would pay my bill, I would put all that garbage that I didn't need and I would just send it back oh, to I them. Oh, I love that. So you go ahead and throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was that's like, Cause it was one. all for like marketing and advertising stuff. Right. Yeah. Huh, love that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Go digital. One way to reduce clutter without necessarily reducing your capacity to enjoy media and entertainment is to go digital. Yep. I have a ton of the Disney DVDs <clears throat> and even the, the big ones mm-hmm. because like VHS tapes, VHS, or, yeah. because when the kids were little, we didn't have just the DVDs and now you just stream everything. Yep. So it's completely a different world, but it is so hard for me to get rid of those. <sighs> I know because someday, and then you're like, well, maybe some, maybe they have value. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, some collector somewhere actually up, would. But I have heard of people having a pristine copy of Cinderella and they got a bazillion dollars for the dumb thing. Yeah, I know. Ugh. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so another recommendation is to try CBT. This is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a form of psychotherapeutic intervention. Um, that's to say that CBT helps to treat mental health disorders and to help patients overcome things such as anxiety disorders, phobias, obsessive dif- disorders, etc. The way it works is by teaching the sufferer to understand the contents of their own thoughts better and to find ways to control them. Mm. So if you're stressing about throwing things out, even small items, chances are that there's something, some underlying logic mm-hmm. that's causing you to have that behavior. So you might be thinking about all the things that you could use that item for. Maybe you're thinking about just how sad the person who gave it to you would be if you threw it out 
how often does that happen? Oh. Where you're like, I can't get rid of this because so-and-so gave it to me. Yeah. You know, and oh. it does have a sentimental value oh to my you, goodness. but it's like maybe doesn't have a place or a purpose in your life, but yeah. Was, yeah. Oh my anyway. gosh. Yeah. And, and, um, but I have noticed that is if my house is in complete disarray or the, the mail has gotten this big, it's nerve wracking and it causes you to start stressing out mm-hmm. and it, that then causes other issues. So it, 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 it easily can become such a stressor or a, a trigger mm-hmm. that you, you've got to stay on those things. Yeah. Um, get a cleaner. I mean, mm-hmm. this maybe isn't realistic for every person out there, but if you can, if trying to declutter and stop hoarding and you can't make a dent in it, you might need to ask for a little professional help. Of course, the job of the cleaner is not to help you throw out your belongings, but um, what are you laughing about? <laughs> I just feel like I have to clean before the cleaner I know. Come. It's the same thing. Kevin will <laughs> laugh at me too, and I'll have, yeah, gotta have somebody come over here and help me clean the house, but let me clean the house first. Yes. Oh my word. So funny. But, and then investing in storage. Like if you really can't part with something, then invest in storage might be your only remaining option. And essentially that means that you're going to have to spend money on it until. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I almost wonder like, is it worth it enough Mm. to me to spend the money to put it in storage? And if it's not, then is it worth it to keep it? Oh my goodness. You know? Yeah. Which I, we donate a ton of stuff. I love giving to secondhand yeah. stores, you know, and then like clothing wise, we have, Bailey has cousins and I have nieces yeah. and just, there's always somebody oh, that yeah. we can donate the clothing to. Yeah. When you go through the clothes, it's like, well, we can use this mm-hmm. um, for this family and this can go to Salvation Army or wherever yeah. you choose. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, if you're seeing that you might have some hoarding tendencies, you know, Maybe just be, get really real with yourself. <laughs> and mostly it's just, it's for the safety of it. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Don't be a clutter bug. <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> I have, a, I have issues. I know Do that. I tell the mirror story? <sighs> I suppose. I don't know. So anyway, I had an unfortunate situation where I may have accidentally broken a mirror. Not a hundred percent sure how it happened. No, we don't. But anyway, Julie took it. <laughs> And put it under some papers on her desk because she's just sure she's going to fix it. And I don't know if it's because she's a hoarder or if because she's worried that I'm going to have seven years of bad luck. But so far, I'm doing okay. Just trying to, you know, do do the best that I can every day. And it hasn't gotten me yet. So, well, so explain it's, yourself, it's, Julie. It's about this big. Yes. And where it got run over or whatever happened to it is like the top, just that corner, how it kind of goes like this. So I'm like, well, I can fix that because three quarters of it's still usable. I know, but the, but the quarter of it that's not usable is in five million pieces. Well, if you use the clear packing tape, oh you could hold it together and then look down in this side. I, You're weird. <sighs> okay, I'll go throw it away. <laughs> well, now I'm just worried that you're going to cut yourself when you go to get it. Oh, Lord. Well, I was afraid you were going to have seven years I know, of bad luck. Mostly you did it for but me. But meanwhile, then I never got around to fixing it because every time I thought about it, I couldn't find the tape. So it's just been sitting there. Every time I think about it, I'm worried that you're going to cut yourself. Is that the and definition? And that's going to be my bad luck is if you get hurt. Oh, then you'll have to do the scheduling. <laughs> oh, that's that's how it all plays. I hadn't thought you're about gonna that. You're going to go but, and actually oh, throw it uh, away for me. Shoot, I mean... <laughs> 
I'm going to put on some leather gloves so I don't get cut, and I'm going to go take care of that. Oh, and then the day that I find the tape, I'll want to go fix it, and it'll be gone. I know. And then I'll just be like, where is my mirror? I don't know. Someone will console you, and oh, <laughs> they're there. <laughs> All right, what do you have for a grandma There's say? no issues in do this you have, house. Do you have something wise to leave I us do, with today? I do. <laughs> After all of that nonsense, I have something wise to say. So what's very sweet is just this past week, I got um, some clippings from my grandma Effie's scrapbook that my cousin had sent to me. And so this one I'm going to share today. And it's the source is Effie Jackson scrapbook from Nyrata, Montana in uh, the ninth month, uh, 24th day of 1983. Mm -hmm. Um, So the bottom line is the Lord. He's in control and always has been. Keep your health, run your outfits, sleep at night. Don't worry too much. Have some fun. Keep some good cows around you. And you know what? You'll live a long time, you'll grind out a living, and you will die with a smile. Effie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, I love that She so knew what was much. up. Yep. yep. That's awesome. Yeah, yep. there you go. Cool. All right. Well, if you um, haven't subscribed yet, please go do that. You can, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. If you have good news stories, if you have grandma sayings, if you have verses that you'd like to share, please email those to thecaregivenpodcast at gmail.com. Please do it. Please do it. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Have a good day. The Caregiven name is a registered trademark of the Veritrust Health Incorporated Company. Epaga is not connected to, affiliated with, or endorsed by Veritrust or any of its affiliates. 